UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty turns, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Blue Dog Man, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me today. I have with me Miss Aida. Uh, she is a witch, an author, and a teacher of the metaphysical. Miss Aida was born into a Cuban family who practiced brujeria, santeria, and palo. An initiate of the crafts herself, she is also a natural-born medium and renowned hoodoo practitioner. Miss Aida is a registered nurse and a proud United States Air Force veteran and holds a master's degree. She is also a passionate German shepherd dog lover and owner. Miss Aida specializes in uh, spiritual eradications as well as spiritual cleansings and protection. And you can find her website at www.missaida.com. That's A-I-D-A. So you would think it would be pronounced Ida, but it's A-I-Aida, missaida.com. And this, the other types of things she does are psychic readings, breakup spells, uncrossing, success spells, road opening spells, animal pet health matters, crossings, and novenas, which I don't know what a novena is. I think it's something like a prayer, but uh, well, we're going to find out all this. This is why it's so interesting. But I want to give her a big warm welcome to the show. Uh, Miss Aida, thank you for joining me. How are you? Hi, thank you. And thank you for having me on. It's an honor. So I, I guess I, I guess the first question would be to I want to understand all these magical practices and then kind of separate them as to where they go and what the differences are. Like I know that I, I, let's just take voodoo, hoodoo, and santeria, something which you're you're all pretty familiar with. Um, what are the differences? And uh, yeah, and yeah, I'll start with that. Okay, so you know it all all goes back to Africa. Okay, so I'm going to be saying Africa a lot because. <clears throat> in my explanation, you'll, you'll understand why. So when the slaves were taken away from Africa, you know, they were dispersed throughout um, different areas. And I can only speak for Santeri. I can speak a little bit about voodoo. But when they were taken to Cuba, they were taken to Puerto Rico they were taken to Haiti and they were taken here to the United States and mostly to the South, as we know, you know, it was one of the purposes of the civil war, right? Between the North and the South. So the slaves that were taken to Cuba assimilated their deities, which they called Orisha. So they synchronized them to the Catholic saints. So their magical beliefs and their religious beliefs, which is Yoruba, they would hide their beliefs through the Catholic saints. 
So an example would be their Arisha Chango, Kavisile Chango, they synchronize with Saint Barbara. There is a patron saint of Cuba. Her name is um, the Virgen Caridad de Cobre or Our Lady of Charity. They synchronize their Oshun with her. So they, they did this for all of them based on the similarities between what they do for people. And in my opinion, they're all the same, okay? But so now Santeria, so now we give birth to a new religion and that's Santeria, right? The worship of saints. And I was explaining to somebody, I don't know who, but that I see the saints and the Orishas as the same person. So Saint Lazarus, I I can either refer to him as Saint Lazarus or Babaluaye. The Virgen Caridad de Cobre, I either call her Caridad or, or Oshun, right? And so on and so forth, right? Now the Virgin Mary, Yemaya. So for me, they're interchangeable. Nevertheless, when their beliefs were brought to Cuba and they synchronized their syncretized, I'm sorry, their Orishas into the saints, it gave birth to a religion called Santeria. It is an African traditional religion. Now, what happened in Haiti was similar, right? So you give birth to voodoo. Voodoo and Santeria are both African traditional religions. And the, the voodoo practitioners, you know, they have different names for their, their deities. So it's kind of different games, same players. There's so many similarities between their deities and the deities of Santeria. And so now we have African traditional religions. When the slaves were brought here, it was different. So let me go back to Voodoo and Santeria. Voodoo and Santeria are religions that don't really change, right? They're, they're kind of organized in certain ways. Now, when the slaves came here to the South, it was different. The Holy Bible becomes most of the practitioners' um, magical book. And I will tell you that the Psalms, you know, the book of Psalms, we believe are all spells. They're all spells. Because I tell people, you know, for road opening, pray Psalm 35, for, or for uncrossing, you know, remove a curse, pray Psalm 37. For me, it, it, it is a spell book. And for many hoodoo practitioners and other metaphysical practitioners of other realms, we believe that it's a spell book. Anyway, going back to the United States. So it evolved differently. 
it did not become a religion. It became a folkloric magical practice. And it is called an African derivative tradition. It's not a religion. Hoodoo, as time went on, hoodoo has um, integrated with Asian magic, integrated with European magic, integrated with Jewish magic. Back in the olden days when the Jewish people left their land and the ones that came here were originally going to the South. So now we have the Ju Judaism. I like to say Judaism. Judaism is incorporated into that. So we've got the Christianity. So Judeo-Christian, Native American practices, Chinese, Asian. Hoodoo is forever evolving. It just grows and grows and grows. And so with hoodoo, if we look at, let's say, the, the Hyatt Informant. So back in the 1930s, um, Harry Middleton Hyatt went throughout the South and interviewed over 1,600 hoodoo practitioners. And it's kind of interesting. It's, it's a five-volume. One of the books he wrote um, was a five-volume book, like a 1,000 pages each. And it's interesting, he would interview a person from one state and a person from another state, and they have different beliefs on what a certain practice um, manifests. So for instance, um, one might believe that this um, magical herb is for A, where in another state, they say it's for Z. Hoodoo works a lot with herbs, roots, minerals. They had to work with what they had. They all did back then. Nevertheless, it is an African derivative tradition and a folkloric magical practice. See, I always thought that, that Hoodoo was more like a New Orleans-based um thing like I because you don't hear much of it in or at least well I'm not in the magic world so but I I always associated voodoo and hoodoo with New Orleans I thought hoodoo was like a, a home-brewed version of voodoo from New Orleans is, so is from I I can't speak for the New Orleans practices because <clears throat> it's completely different there they incorporate voodoo and hoodoo right so they're they're interchanging them and I'm not an expert on the New Orleans magical practices because it incorporates voodoo. And I, I'm not a voodoo practitioner. Yeah, but it, it seems like it is a very magical place, though, New Orleans, right? I mean, I'm not. Well, I think so. I mean, when I was in the Air Force, we used to go there all the time. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Somebody yeah. told me that, like, right in the, um, the main, or like, right in, uh, uh, the French Quarter there, she, they they lived there. These people that told me they got abducted by aliens in the French Quarter, but basically they told me that where they lived in the French Quarter, they lived on top of a a witch doctor's house, you know, like and that that like all around the square where they lived was like 
metaphysical stores, which I thought was so cool. I was like, I wish I could live in that kind of environment. You know, I live in Pittsburgh where we may have a couple metaphysical stores here and there, but it's, you know, it's kind of hard to find. So I kind of thirst for this kind of knowledge. Like it's very interesting to me. So you're telling me that then, then hoodoo is practiced throughout the world or is it well known? No, I no. Hoodoo is not practiced throughout the world. So hoodoo is practiced in the Americas. So we're talking about Canada, the United States, you know, we see it being practiced in Mexico also. Yeah. And, you know, as time goes on, you know, there, there's a lot of places that have um, popularized hoodoo and, you know, we get followers from all over the world now, but, you know, it, it just depends on the migration. So when, when, you know, Harriet Tubman, you know, she helped a lot of these people, the slaves, you know, get to Canada. So now we have hoodoo practitioners in Canada, right? So we just follow the trail of where the slaves went to and you'll see hoodoo being practiced. Hoodoo was um, almost completely lost. It, it's, uh, it comes and it goes depending on the political climate. And back in the late 60s, it was almost lost. So you're only getting um, the African-Americans that are, are um, passing the information down to, to their descendants and, and their friends. And it was almost lost. And then when the, the big influx of Cubans came to America, to the United States in the 1970s, you know, they associated with with a lot of the African-Americans and rebirthed hoodoo in a way. And they taught the African ways and um, the Cuban ways. So you, you get a lot of integration, but then it comes back to life again, thanks to the Cubans. That's so interesting. One thing I, I, I heard you say is that you, you, uh, in your on your uh, bio, you you said you practice brujeria, brujeria, brujeria. I've heard um, a, a famous comedian. His name's Joey Diaz. He, he he's Cuban. He talks about it, that his mother or his family used to practice Santeria. He's a real famous comedian. Um, but he told he taught. I I thought him. I thought I heard him say the word brujo means witch doctor. Is that true or no? Bru, brujeria means witchcraft. Oh, okay. so a bruja is a female witch, a brujo is a male witch. And, you know, it, even though it just means witchcraft, you know, the Mexicans, the Cubans, you know, the, the Latinos, and I do not like to call ourselves Latinx because I think it's a, a term, it's a cancel culture term. I'm very much against this Latinx. And in fact, I was talking to one of my African-American clients the other day about this. And, you know, I think that the political climate has dismissed the rich, rich cultures of the Africans. So now the poor people don't even know if they're Nigerian. They don't know what part of Africa their ancestors came from because they don't realize that, you know, the politicians canceled their culture. And let's just call them all African-Americans. 
Now they're trying to do that to Latinos. And sadly, a lot of the younger people are buying into it. And I do not like that. Well, it's also people don't want to know where they're from. Like for me, for example, like I was, I think it's all, it's all, I think you can, you can bypass cancel culture, but you have to be interested in your heritage. For example, like I grew up in a, in a town where it's a lot of Lebanese, um, Greek and Italian and I'm, and I'm all that plus I'm Irish, but I look more, you know, Mediterranean. So I tell people when they ask me, I say I'm Lebanese, uh, Greek and, and Italian, but I, the only reason why I know so much about each of those cultures is because I, I, I researched them a lot. You know, I looked into ancient Roman and Greek history because I was interested. I looked into the foods of Greece and the, the foods of Greece and Lebanon, some are similar. We both Very similar. grape leaves, you know, stuffed grape leaves and stuff right. like that. And we use a lot of lemon. Um, <laughs> I mean, like there's more stuff than that. We, we both eat lamb or, you know, I, I used to eat lamb, but you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's, there's a lot of similarities, but like, but what I get, what I guess I'm getting to is I, I had to, um, assimilate myself in that culture because I was interested in it. I think you have to have an interest in it too. If they don't have an interest in it, then then they're not going to want to learn. But that's a shame that you don't want to learn where you're from, right? Or well, I, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I can argue that when the government is and the media is changing the climate, right? Eh, you're just a Latinx. It, exactly. it kind of yeah. dissuades them from being interested yeah you know i mean i feel like it's saying all you black people are alike all you latinos are alike and and it's going to hit every single culture it's going to hit you know the the middle eastern cultures it's going to hit everything you know but right now they're attacking the the biggest groups and who are the biggest groups you know the latinos so let's just you know pile them all into one and it saddens me to hear that term Latinx, Latinx, Latin, especially from the younger people, because they don't know any better, right? Yeah. And But anyway, getting back to this, when we talk about a bruja or a brujo, we're talking about a Latino, somebody of Latin heritage who practices the magic, right? And that type of magic, brujeria, um, in its purest sense, is a lot like hoodoo. You're working with what you've got. You're working with what's available, right? It evolves. It's also, you know, it also evolves. I mean, we use candles and so do hoodoo practitioners. Now we use oils. We do a lot of other things. But um, I consider, now this is don't, this is not written in stone. This is just me, okay? I consider hoodoo and brujeria like earth religions you're working with what's available yeah i i mean and i wanted to, that i think that brings up a good point because it makes me think of like when we talk about spell work what are we what is triggering the spell to work is it our consciousness or this thing that we call consciousness is it our our focus on that that intention or is it the actual ingredients do they amplify like i, I this there was this one witch, I think she was, in my little known knowledge of witchcraft and stuff, like there was a woman who used to come on the Art Bell show. I'm a big Art Bell fan, if you can't tell, but her name was Evelyn Paglini. 
and she called herself a strega, which is a, a strega Italian, which is yeah, Italian, it's Italian yeah. which, but she, uh, she was very metaphysical too. She stuttered under, um, uh, some, some very established parapsychology professors that, and uh, she really knew her stuff as far as like that, that like, she was like, she's like you, uh, she was like, how experienced you are, but in a different way, you know what I mean? Like maybe that was because I hadn't met Miss Aida yet. That's probably why. <laughs> but, but anyway, Evelyn always would, would like, talk about like the use of candles. She would say like, you would know your, your spell or your intentions working if your candle flame is rising. She said, if your candle flame isn't rising, then your intention isn't being met. So going back to my question, do you think that our thoughts or our consciousness is the main factor that's in that's contributing to these spells or is it the ingredients as well um it's a combination so <clears throat> is this did this evelyn lady pass away yes she did okay george nori told me when i was on coast to coast that i reminded him of that woman i don't know that's who amazing. she is and you, you know? do i was gonna say you do remind me of because just because your overall skills you have like master class skills I would say. I, I mean, that's a, that's my terminology. You have like yeah. you're a master. I'm going to ask you later to email me her name because um, I don't know who she is, but I was told that it was a huge, huge compliment. So it is. She, I'd she like to look her up. You she know, went, but, she she was on Art Bell for years. Like she uh -huh. would make predictions, but she would also teach people how to use natural mat, what she called natural magic. She said uh -huh. magic came from God. She she was a practicing Catholic herself, but she she was also a wick. She was a strega, but she said that she felt like she could worship God, and and she she was one of the first people to say that you know you could worship God or you could be a religion, and you could also practice witchcraft. It wasn't it was that she said, but she was also against negative e evil spirits or wiccan too like she she said that she would fight against evil all the time and she said she had to there was many times where she had to um boy she sounds like me so yes i do i i love god i love 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 god very much and you know a lot of times i've been and i'm going to go back to your question but um a lot of times i've been called in to to fight off demonic entities and uh you have to have a strong faith in god and saint michael and the saints and the virgin mary you've got to have that to fight off demons i mean it's you have to i mean if you don't you're in trouble and here's getting back thing. to your question well, wait I, I was gonna say real quick if the i'm sorry about i didn't mean to if demons are real then the saints would obviously or angels would have to be real right or or well, i believe they're all real I believe they're I'm just, all I'm, okay. I'm, my name's typical skeptic on YouTube because I'm a little bit skeptical, but I'm very open minded. I'm more of a believer, but I, I still like, I, I, I've never, the reason was I've never had any experiences. That's why, you know what I mean? Like, I love and you don't people. want any, you really don't want, no, I don't want any, Trust me, you don't want but any. I love an angelic <laughs> experience, right? Or no, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah you want, yeah, angelic experiences are wonderful, yes. But, What's the rest of the question? I, I apologize. Oh, sorry. Uh, we, were, uh, we were going back to the original question about um, the, the spell work. And like, okay, you, so, you, you know, I, I believe that it, it's okay. So let's just go, let's just go with, with candles first. Okay. So candles, as you mentioned, candles. Okay. So the flame of a candle pierces the veil between our world and the spiritual world. Okay. That's number one, it does. Number two is it feeds 
the entities that you're praying to, it, it feeds them energy. Now you were talking about the flame going up and down and all this other stuff. In my book, um, Hoodoo Justice Magic, I call that candle communication. It's feedback. So there's different things that a flame can do. It's not just up or down. There's different things that they do. You know, you want to look at the smoke, at, you know, the direction that the flame is wafting. Is it popping? Is it dancing? You know, is it low? Is it high? All of these things mean something. It's not dead up or down type of situation. There's a lot of communication that spirits will feed its communication or feedback from the, the entities for whom you are praying. Okay. And they're, they're communicating with you through this candle flame. All right. So that's number one. So, I mean, what, what encompasses a spell? You don't always have to use a candle, right? So I always, always call on entities for assistance, always. If I'm doing good magic, which is most of the time, um, you know, I call on saints or I'll call on my spirit guides. A lot of people call on their ancestors. I don't, I personally don't bother my ancestors for spell work, but I call on saints to help me. Um, if I'm doing negative spell work, it depends on what it is, because then I will just interact with my spirit guides only, unless the spell is really, really justified. And then we have, we even have Psalms, you know, in the book of Psalms, there are Psalms designed specifically for cursing, for crossing, for negative spell work. But that, that has to be justified, right? So if you did severe harm to me or a family member, I mean, really, really, really severe harm, okay? I can call on God through a psalm and tell them, you know, Robert Khalil did this and that and that and this. You know, he, he uh, beat up my elderly aunt. You know, I can, you know, you tell God what happened. And your spells are justified. So anytime a negative spell is justified, yes, you can call on the holy angelic deities, okay? Or deities, some people call them deities. I like to call them deities. And so that we have who you call for assistance. Intention, absolutely 100% intention. Because if I cast a spell and I don't put all my energy into that and all my faith into it, right, it's not going to work no matter what. The other thing is if you're calling on an entity and then you're casting doubt, not only are you casting doubt on the spell, you're casting doubt on the entity for whom you petition to assist you. So that intention has to be there. It really has to. A good example, and I give this example a lot because we're all human beings, okay? Even I'm a human being. So many years ago, I would say it was about 12 years ago, I was getting surgery, not anything big. And I wanted to put my dog in the kennel. And this girl 
who works with dogs. She begged and pleaded and pleaded and begged, pay her instead. She'll take my dog to her home and, you know, she'll give her good care, you know, just pay her. It'll be better than the kennel. And I had to put my girl in the kennel because she was in heat. Okay. So anyway, um, I gave her two rules. I said, never remove her collar and keep her in the cage when you're not home. Absolutely. I know everything about dogs. You're, you know, don't tell me what to do. So I get the surgery. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a facelift. Okay. I get a facelift. And what does my doctor tell me? You have to be rested for a week. You can't have a lot of exercise. You'll ruin the stitches. What happens the night I get home? I'm still under anesthesia. She loses my dog. She removed the collar and went out with company in the house with my dog loose. My dog was lost for a week in the ice cold. And here I am, the night of surgery, out there looking for my dog, which was, by the way, about 60 miles from where I live. Oh, my God. Anyway, the snow, you know, when they shovel the snow, the snow was already six inches. When they shovel it, then you've got 12 inches, right? And I could, there's no way I could perform a spell. There's no way. I, first of all, I'm under anesthesia. I'm weak. And by the way, my surgery went to hell. All the stitches popped, right? Um, It took a week to find her and she would have died if I hadn't found her that day. I asked my mother, I said, mom, you've got to do a spell to find my dog's name was Asha. So my mother right away did a spell and I doubted my mother. But my mother didn't doubt herself. She goes, you're going to find her. The spell is going to work. You're going to find her. The spell is going to work. In the meantime, there's sightings on my dog because I went to um, lostmydoggy.com. So if somebody sees her, that they can call this number and then they alert everybody in that area. It was really, that was a $3,500 ordeal between posters and everything else I did. But she was sighted and she was losing weight and she was in heat and oh my God, it was a mess. And she was everywhere and she was getting more and more wild. And the spell finally- they look to breed, I guess? Or like- Pardon me? When they're in heat like that, will they look to breed? Is that- that Yeah, exactly. You know, and you don't want them pregnant because then you have to deal with all the puppies, right? Right, right. You know, and plus she she came from championship bloodline. So, I mean, I was really screwed. And anyway, to make a long story short, the seventh day we found her. And the way we found her was just really bizarre. But I immediately took her to the vet. And the vet said one more day she would have died. But the whole point you know, she was fine. She lived at 12 and a half. In fact, she just uh, passed away um, in December, right? At 12 and a half years old. But the point of the story is I doubted my mother's spell. You know what I mean? I doubted. It's like, this isn't working. We can't find her. It's costing me a fortune. And I'm blaming my mother, right? And she says, I'm telling you, Asha's coming home. She had that faith. She did not waver. And that's how you have to be when you cast a spell. 
you have to know for a fact that this spell is going to work. Had I cast that spell and not my mother, Asha would have been dead because I had all the doubt. But because my mother cast the spell who didn't have doubt, it worked. So let me ask you this. Are we, is there like, this might be like a, a rookie question, but like, can we cast spells for monetary gain? Like to, to better our lives? Like, and, and what, are, like, why don't people become millionaires? This is a, is there like some kind of spiritual, is there like soul contracts? I know, I know this is getting pretty deep, but like, are we all supposed to live a certain way? Because that's the way we kind of sign the way to come into this life? Or what would you say? So, I mean, as far as soul contracts, who are you making the contract with? You know, you, you play, how does that work? You play, you pay, right? So soul contracts, I, I certainly, you know, you're asking somebody who is totally anti-demonic. I, you know, I, I love- No, 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 no. I'm saying like, what I was trying to say was like, okay, like I, okay. I'm saying, why can't I do- Okay, you're, you took it wrong way. I'm saying, but before we come into this world, they say like in the new age, they say sometimes like you before you come into this life, before you incarnate, you sign a soul contract or not, you don't sign one, but you have a soul contract thinking that you're going to live a certain way and that, that that's going to be it. And that's why I was thinking that maybe we come into this world and we can't become millionaires to a certain degree because we're all supposed to live a certain a, a certain way. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, oh, now I understand. So <clears throat> predetermination is what you're talking about. Yes, this okay. is like predetermined. So Sorry, it's a, not a contract. It's what you and your um, your entities around you mm-hmm. agree to do. Okay. And it's based on what you need to learn in that in this upcoming lifetime in order to advance your soul. Right. So, um, yeah, soul contract, no predetermination. Yes. That's a much better term. So, Thank you. But, you know, um, I always say, always, 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 always that I admire the homeless people more than any other type of people on the planet, because in my opinion, they agreed to this. You know, I believe that we're all inputting information into some sort of, of um, how do I want to say this, into some sort of uh, spiritual computer. We're all inputting information. You know, some people call it the Akashic record. Yeah. And so it just depends on what you need to learn in this lifetime. Or if you made mistakes in your last lifetime that you have to fix in this lifetime. So now to answer your other question, um, are there spells? There are spells to improve your financial situation. There are spells that can help. Okay, but it's not going to make you an instant millionaire overnight okay because what you what you already put in place is our life is already predetermined right so it wasn't meant for me to be a multimillionaire, right um let's just say somebody had to learn let's just say hypothetically 
somebody had to come back and had to learn charity because they screwed up in other lifetimes, right? So now they become multimillionaires and it's a test. Let's see what they do with their money. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But let so, me ask you this. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, no. That's okay. Go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, like, I I seem to have had, like, it's sometimes, like, in my life, right, your dog's cute, but um, sometimes in my life, I, I've seemed to have had un, 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 unbelievable uh, but spouts of bad luck. And I don't even admit this on my podcast, but I'm just telling you because you seem like a, you know, like you would have spiritual guidance. Like, like I have good luck too. Don't get me wrong. And I have good um, intuition. I'm even a little bit psychic myself. Like I'm very intuitive, but I just haven't had the best financial success in the world, but I have always, I've always had good intentions. I'm a good hearted person, but I've just had like these weird spells of like just un, unluckiness. And, 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 and what I see happening to myself, I saw happening to my father. So I wonder if we have some curse on us from like a long time family. You mean like a generational curse. Yeah. So, I mean, number one, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not here to sell books, but you know, I, I have a book called Hoodoo Cleansing and Protection Magic. And I talk about the run of bad luck. Okay. So, you know, it starts from the very beginning of the book. It talks about that run of bad luck. Okay. Why is this happening? Why does it keep happening? So there are very, very easy instructions. And I explain the whys and the hows, how and why it happens. So that you're in total control and what you can do about it, you yourself, okay? Now, generational curse. Um, let's talk about the Kennedys. Um, maybe you're too young to remember. No, I was born in 1980. So I, oh. I mean, well, I wasn't alive yeah. for them, but I, I'm real familiar with them. I'm 42. Okay, so, you know, President uh, John Kennedy. So his father was a bootlegger, Okay. I imagine his name was Joe. So, I mean, they were poor, right? And, and he was um, dealing with alcohol, you know, at the time when it wasn't allowed. So he became a bootlegger and that's how he illegally gained his profits and became multimillionaires, right? And so anyway, then you got, he had a bunch of kids and um, one of them was John Kennedy, and John Kennedy was killed. He was a president. His brother, um, Joe um, Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy was also killed. Then the son, um, what's his name, John Jr., he was killed. And a bunch of other men in that family were killed or died in very strange ways, Okay. It's funny, not the women, but the men, okay? There was obviously, to me, a generational curse that was put on Joe and all the men in his family. And I think that he, you know, to become a bootlegger and to be a very successful bootlegger, um, he had to double-cross a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot. And he probably double-crossed the wrong person who had magical powers, I strongly, strongly believe that's a generational curse. Now, as far as your concern and your dad, um, you know, I, I, 
I'm unable to do a reading here, but you know, there's other factors here, right? So I would have to explore that. Obviously I can't do that on the air, but you know, are these, does it affect every single male in your family <clears throat> or are you, and we have to consider the psychological implications too. You're having a run of bad luck. Oh my God, right? This happened to so-and-so. Now I'm getting the same thing. And then as I explained in my book, um, Who to Cleansing and Protection Magic, you yourself are bringing in more bad luck. It's you. Okay. I do explain it in the book. I'm going to get that. So you've got to, to shake that off. Now, if you do everything that I've suggested, you know, spray yourself with holy water, there's all kinds of things, you know, sing and all kinds of things you can do. Nothing works. Okay. Could you have a spell on you? Yes. If it is a generational curse, I always explain to people that generational curses um, cannot, I don't think they can be removed. I don't believe they can. This is me personally. There's a lot of practitioners that say they, that they can. I'm not sure I believe that. I view a generational curse as a hereditary disease. So if my mother had a hereditary liver problem and I've inherited it, okay, I can't cure it, but I can certainly keep it under control. And that's what we do. What I do with generational curses is I keep them under control, but to remove them, I think they're very difficult because a lot of times these curses are buried somewhere. You know, it might be buried in a cemetery where they've asked um, a spirit or a ghost to carry on the spell. And especially back in the olden days, that's where they put most of their curses in the cemetery. How are you going to find that? How are you going to undo it? A, How do you cure the liver disease? You can't. That's, that's, that's impossible, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you keep it under control if it's a generational curse. A regular curse, I think regular curses, not, you know, not generational. I think those are easy to remove. And I have that in my book, Who to Cleansing and Protection Magic also. I also like to explain to people that if curses were that serious, you know, half the planet wouldn't be alive today. Right. I mean, what did they do in the ancient times? Curse, 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 curse. You know, I always say if you're cursed, consider yourself a, a member of an elite and ancient club. You know, <laughs> join the club, get rid of it, protect yourself, move on. Well, I mean, I love this stuff because I mean, like, it makes me think that maybe it's just life lessons that I have to learn. And I'm not really so much concerned about myself, but more as much the information. I can talk to you about myself on like a private. If I'm still concerned, but like, it's so interesting talking about, I love talking about this stuff. Like this is like right up my alley. I mean, this is just exactly the same stuff that Evelyn Paglini used to You are, George Nori was right. You are just like Evelyn Paglini. And she, she used to meet with Art Bell too. She, I mean, so this is amazing. Let me see. Oh, a couple of things I, I wanted to bring up, which I thought were so interesting that we could talk about. I heard you say in another podcast that Ricky Ricardo was singing an Arisha to St. Lazarus. And then I put this together in uh, 
in uh oh shit when when you throw the dominoes they call that throwing the bones i thought that was interesting i didn't didn't say that i didnn't say that so but i i i know this i when in in slang terminology when they throw when people when they throw the bone when they throw bones and and that they use that when people when people play dominoes in the street they say the term we're throwing bones and i think they got that obviously from voodoo and hoodoo yeah, but you got to have to understand something else, too, that the the dice used to be made of bone. Oh, okay, okay. So it wasn't, okay. it wasn't anything related back to And magic. I don't throw the bones because um, I'm, I will always be a Santera. I will always be a Palera. I'm, I'm a priestess in both, but I, um, I can't practice anymore because I just, I'm, I don't believe in animal sacrifice anymore. I just don't. It's excessive. It's it's unfair. I understand that the Orishas, you know, need to have that life force from the blood, but I think that a lot of these practitioners are ridiculously excessive, and it's a turnoff. And uh, I'm not a vegetarian. I eat meat, but I think that you know, killing an animal needlessly just to have their bones or you know it. it 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 upsets me horrible horrible not only yeah what you're having also is you've got that animal spirit attached to those bones and going back to a question i forgot to answer back about half an hour ago we do believe that plants have spirits and if the plant is dried out we awaken the spirit so i mean everything has a spirit now how was that animal killed you know what I'm saying? Was the animal killed tragically? I don't want that energy in my home. Yeah. And I'm only speaking for myself because there's a lot of hoodoo practitioners that throw the bones. Okay. I'm just not one of them. But what's the whole point of throwing those bones? What, what, it's if, fortune telling. Just to tell someone's, but can't they do it another way? Well, I mean, I can't speak for them. I absolutely can't speak for them. So I'm just giving you my personal philosophy for me. And I'm not judging anybody else. No, I understand. Yeah. You know, that's up to God. Um, I'm not here to judge anybody. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have special relationships with each and every one of those spirits. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for something that I haven't done. Yeah, I understand. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, what are your thoughts on the evil eye? Or that—that that was a big thing in my tradition. We, that, that someone could cast the evil eye on you. Yeah, that's in every tradition. I mean, that's that is. I, I mean, you know, there there's some books that have been written by archaeologists. In fact, I have it referenced in one of my books. Hold on here. Let me see. There's a book that is written by an archaeologist that is about the evil eye throughout the entire world. And it goes back centuries and centuries and centuries ago. Okay. Um, An evil eye can be an intentional or an unintentional curse or um, exacting a jinx which is not a curse it's just a um i'm looking i'm trying to to find the name of this author and um 
envy, you know, I, I know that in your cultures, right? Because my father was Greek. Um, I know that any type of compliment that we don't like them because it exchanges some sort of a jinx, right? Which is an unintentional curse or, you know, a, a, an, ex, an exchange of something negative. And yes, the evil eye is, is very, very real. <laughs> and it, it happens. And, and, you know, I, I talk about an incident I had in a library and it was a couple of years ago and I was talking very loud. You know, I'm deaf in one ear. So I talk louder because I think people can't hear me. And I totally negated this man that was at the table and he stood up and he gave me this really, really dirty look, no words exchanged, just a dirty look. He unintentionally gave me the evil eye, right? Because I know what he was thinking, you know, shut up. That's, that's what he was thinking, right? But that dirty look, right? And, and he left and I couldn't concentrate because I was with a math tutor. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't concentrate. I just felt like my entire body had been um, assaulted <clears throat> in a spiritual manner. And it was just overwhelming. And it took me about three minutes to realize I had the evil eye, right? Luckily, I carry holy water and Florida water in my purse. So I keep them little spray bottles. So I, I sprayed myself with holy or with Florida water. I waited about 30 seconds and I sprayed myself with holy water and everything went away. But here is a classic example of an evil eye that he didn't intend to curse me. He just wanted to say, shut up, you, right? But he cursed me. He actually either jinxed or cursed me. Wow. You know, so I mean, evil eye is, you know, it's like, you know, it's interesting if you've seen the movie, um, my big fat Greek wedding or something like that. And, you know, they spit on the baby three times. We do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, when somebody gives my dogs a dirty look, I spit on my dogs, right. To get rid of it. Yeah. And she goes, I remember the old woman in that movie. She goes, <laughs> it's so funny like because it's funny to think that those traditions still exist but they, they really do they've existed for thousands of years i'm still trying to find a doggone book that i it's written by an archaeologist but it just um it's really really good while you're looking for it i'll just quote something i said earlier but i i got it from you listened to you on another podcast you said that Ricky Ricardo was actually singing an Orisha to St. Lazarus and I Love Lucy. Yeah, yeah. So the song, Babalu, Babalu, yay, right? And then he sings the song. He was famous for that song, okay? That's St. Lazarus. You know, I had talked to you that about that in the very beginning of the podcast. St. Lazarus and Babalu, in Santeria are the same thing. If you understand Spanish and listen to the words, He's giving you a spell in that song. What's the spell? If I remember correctly, because I don't remember all the words by heart, but he says that he's going to put out um, a cigar. He's going to put out 17 pennies. And um, let's see. Um, 
I think he's going to put he's going to put some um, bread out for uh, Babaluaye's dogs. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he tells what he's going to put out to Saint Lazarus or Babaluaye so that he can have some good luck or good fortune. So it's an interesting song. So let me just tell you really, really quick the name of this book. Okay. It's written by Frederick Thomas Elworthy. And it's an archaeological book. It's called The Evil Eye, the classic account of an ancient superstition. And it was published in 2004. And it's academia. But let me tell you something. It's a really, really good book. And he talks about the evil eye throughout the world, throughout the world. And then he shows he has illustrations after illustration after illustration. It's a phenomenal book. Phenomenal. That's amazing. This is all such amazing. I wanted to ask you this. Like when, when, when Ricky, Ricardo, or whoever, when whoever, anybody, when anybody sings these songs to the, or, or leaves something out, would say, if someone leaves something out for a spirit or someone leaves something out for Papa Legba, for example, anybody, I'm just saying, if they're, if, does the spirit want this? I mean, like, what do they want? I mean, I know you can't know for sure, but what do you think they want in the spirit world? Like, do they want the I same, mean, do they have they, the same they, desires they, as us? You know, it's like, you know, through time that, you know, through, through the experts, you know, I'm talking back in the olden days, we know what the saints like, we know what the Orishas like. Okay, so, you know, you had asked me about candy and elegua and hard candy. You know, it's a little bit more complicated because elegua, who you're calling Papa Legba, and that's how he's referred to in, in voodoo, but in Santeria is elegua. Elegua in Santeria has 21 paths. So one of the paths is a child, right? But a very, very brilliant child. And um, that one you would give candy to, right? So it just depends on what path it is. So then there's ways of asking the saints or the Orishas in Santeria what would you like? And we call that an ebo, E-B-B-O, ebo, right? So we ask, you know, do you want this? Do you want that? You know, we guess through a list of everything that we know they like. So like, for instance, um, anybody that knows me knows that I love McDonald's hamburgers, not their Big Mac, just a plain hamburger with the, you know, everything but mustard, right? I love the McDonald's fries. So you know that about me. You know this about me. I love bread. I love Coca-Cola. Okay. So the list goes on. I love spaghetti. I mean, I can eat spaghetti. I love grape leaves. You'd mentioned grape leaves earlier. So we know I like these things, right? Now you wouldn't ask me, would you like a hot dog or would you like a Pepsi? Because I would turn you down. You know, I'm a Coca-Cola lover. I don't want Pepsi. You go through a list of what you know they they like, and then they tell you, yes, I want this. Yes, I want that. But it's so interesting. It's so interesting to think that you're communicating with the spirit world and they still have these desires. They, they, they have these physical desires, but they're in the spirit world. Yeah, but it, what they're doing is they're taking out the essence of the food. 
the essence or the energy that that food has. Okay. People always say, well, you know, what do you do after that? What, what is it? You know, nothing's changed. Well, sometimes you'll see things change on a plate or sometimes you'll see whatever beverage you're offering. There'll be changes, you know, it looks like mm, a little bit's consumed, but you know, what we do then afterwards is after 24 hours, when we know they have consumed the essence or the energy of that food, then we put it out to the animals to eat, right? So they're not getting the solid substance. They're getting the, the essence and the energetic substance of whatever is being offered to them. That's amazing. I never, I never understood that. And now I do. That's so interesting. I'm trying to think if I have any other questions because um, I have another podcast I have to do. I'd love to have you back on the show again. Um, I, I don't have any other questions. Can you tell everybody where to find your books and where to find your. Uh, yeah. I mean, for, for paranormal investigators, um, you know, I'm wearing a shirt, but unfortunately we can't see it. It says haunted Saginaw, Steve Shippey's haunted Saginaw. If you go to the haunted Saginaw website, I'm in the movie, A Haunting on Adam Street. I will be on Discovery Plus next month in a program called um, Michigan's Hell House. And for paranormal investigators that keep asking the ovalists and their EVPs, what is your name? What is your name? I wrote a list of demonic names. And I've also written a list of prayers, three of the strongest protection prayers that there are. And it's a little pocket guide that can fit in your back pocket. And I wrote it specifically for paranormal investigators so they're not messing around with something that could be extremely evil. And it's called A List of Demonic Names. You can find all my books on Amazon. And I think there's five books, something like that. And I do live events on Facebook, free magical coaching every other Sunday. You know, tomorrow I'll be doing one. And that's Miss Aida Psychic. And my website is MissAida.com. Yeah, it sounds like you're really busy, but maybe in a couple months or down the road, I'd love to have you back on again. Like, this was an amazing show. This was so fascinating. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank and Robert, if you could do me a, a big favor and email me that woman's name, because I want to look her uh, up. Evelyn Pagwin, you know what I'll do? I'll even better. I'll send you a playlist of um, her interviews with Art Bell and George Norrie, because the, 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 the company that she worked with, which is Mystical Blend, that was her website, Mystical Blend. They, uh, they, they, they kept all the shows that she did with Art and George. And they have them on one playlist on YouTube. So you can listen to all her interviews too. Yeah, so I just want to read about her. I, I, I don't well, know if I have the patience to listen. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll send you her name. I'll send you maybe one video if you want to check okay. it out. Okay, sounds good. And, sounds good. and thank you so much. You're awesome. You're one of the best. Seriously, I can't think. This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank I'll send you, you so a link much. when I post the episode. Pardon me? I said, I'll send you a link when I post the episode. Absolutely. Thank All you right, so much for having me. Thanks. All right.